Thumbs up, awesome. Uh, well, great, well, thank you for coming out today. Um, either those of you who decided to stay at the Bellagio all day because it's raining or those of you who braved the rain, uh, thanks for coming out uh, to be part of this presentation. It's great to see you out there. Anybody who's watching in one of the remote locations, thanks for listening in as well, and it's great to have you here. Uh, I'm Scott Ward. I am a principal solutions architect with Amazon Web Services. I work on our partner team, uh, and I work with our security technology partners. So I'm working with their product and their engineering teams on the things that they're building for AWS customers to consume and help them with their security goals while they're running on AWS. Uh, I'm gonna be joined on stage a little bit later by Rohit Gupta, who is the uh, segment lead for our security partners here at AWS. So Rohit's focused on our overall strategy on what we're doing uh, with our security partners and, and how we're helping them continue to grow uh, and offer more value for our customers on AWS. So this is a session that is focused on uh, partners. So it's focused on guiding our partners and helping you with some thoughts on what you can be doing to help you with your uh, security identity and compliance goals. On AWS, we'll do a little bit of technical uh, discussion. We'll also follow through on some programs and some things that we can do from the partner network to help you move faster and accomplish uh, the goals that you're looking to, to hit. So to start off with, why are we here in the first place? Why are you there in your seats and why am I up here on stage? So we'll start off with security is everybody's responsibility. So at AWS, we consider security to be our top priority. We want to make sure that our customers are comfortable and confident running on AWS and that they're, they're operating in, in a secure environment and they can meet their security goals. And so for you as partners, it's just as important that you are putting the right emphasis on security because customers care about what you're doing when it comes to security and how you are enabling them to feel confident in using your environments and your applications. As a partner, the AWS Partner Network has several different gates that require that you are showing us that you are doing security well. If you want to be at the advanced here as a partner, we actually are looking at your technology to confirm that you are doing certain things well when it comes to security. If you want to be in one of our competencies, we are actually going to dive deeper into the security that you're doing around your AWS account to actually understand how you're doing things and that you're doing them well and that you're lining up with best practices. So having an idea and an approach on what you're going to do when it comes to identity, security, and compliance is important in order to be able to get through these other programs successfully. And then we want to be able to help you move faster. We want to give you some thoughts and some ideas and help you get in front of some things and, and some discussions so that you can move faster and, and achieve the goal of really kind of building out your products and, and delivering something that's going to add value to your customers. So why should you care about all of this? Why is this even important at the end of the day? Well, one, you, you have customers, regardless of the kind of solution that you're building, whether it's going to be a SaaS or, or a solution a customer is going to deploy themselves, you have customers that are entrusting you with their data. They're giving you access to their environment. You want to make sure that you are doing things that are going to make your customers feel confident and comfortable with, with using your solutions. They actually care about what you're doing to protect their data. They're going to ask you tough questions. They're going to want to understand what are the things that you're doing to make sure that they can feel comfortable. How are you operating? How are you securing the system and the environment? They're going to care. And a lack of attention in these spaces can actually lead to undesired consequences. You can have data breaches, you can have security incidents. It's going to take you away from focusing on the things that you really want to be doing, which is building and enhancing your solutions and, and delivering values and, and focusing on the things that really differentiate you uh, as a company. 
So what should you walk away with? What are some of the things that we're hoping that you leave this room with uh, at the end of the day? One, some more clear items uh, around things that you should be reviewing and thinking about when it comes to running and operating your workloads on AWS. A better understanding of what customers are expect. What are some of the things they might be looking to, to know and, and, and understand about what you're doing? And then just some greater knowledge uh, around identity security and compliance on AWS. So all of this starts with the shared responsibility model. I'm, I'm sure most of us in this room have seen this model at some point in time. It's had many different flavors as far as how it looks, but this is what's really going to set the stage for what you're doing when it comes to identity security and compliance. So as AWS takes care of that bottom part of the slide where we're taking care of securing the actual infrastructure and the software that is powering the AWS platform. You as a customer are responsible for what you're doing to configure your security in the cloud, determining how you're going to protect your data, are you going to encrypt it, encrypt it at rest? Are you going to encrypt it in transit? How are you going to define your network? How are you going to govern access to your network? How are you going to control and moderate your operating systems? How are you going to patch them? Uh, ensuring that you are securing the applications and the, and the platforms that you are launching and running on AWS uh, and doing the appropriate processes to, to ensure that you are protecting your data, making sure that you're storing it in the right location, in the right region, with the right service, and applying the right level of uh, data protection uh, and data access to that. So these are important things that you are responsible for that will factor into the decisions and, and the direction you're taking when it comes to uh, identity, security, and compliance. Well, as a reminder, you're welcome to take pictures, but all of these slides, as well as the recording of this video, will be available for you guys in the next couple days, so uh, just to be aware of that. So let's talk about the identity portion uh, to start with. So identity, uh, a lot of people kind of lump identity and security together when they're talking about their strategy on AWS, but for the purposes of, of, this, of this session, I'm actually splitting identity apart because I actually think it's pretty important and something that needs its own uh, bit of attention. Maybe depending on you as a company, it might need your own set of people uh, to, to focus on this appropriately. When it comes to AWS, uh, the boundary around how you interact with your AWS environment and how people interact with your AWS environment is identity at the end of the day. You define policies that allow or deny access to the AWS resources that you want to run and use to run your workloads on AWS. This is very different than maybe a, a traditional data center approach where you're using maybe more network appliances to actually uh, grant or deny access or, or verify what you can do. So it's, it's very important that you are putting a focus on, on how you're managing uh, your identity and your policies and, and making sure that you are granting uh, people or things, the, the right access to the right things at the right time. So these are the, the kind of the core services that exist when it comes to uh, identity on AWS. These are uh, identity focused services or, or services that are owned by our identity team. Uh, in addition to this, you also have the uh, identity, uh, the IAM access analyzer service that was announced earlier this week, which gives you more insight into who has access to various AWS resources uh, in your environment. Uh, these are all tools that you can use to help you with your identity story. We're not going to talk about the tools themselves. We're going to focus more on the, the, uh, the strategies and the approaches that you should be thinking about, which are going to drive you to figuring out which tools you should use and, and which solutions make sense to you. So what are some of the areas that you should be focusing on when it comes to identity and what you're doing on AWS? Well, to start off with, it's, it's least privilege. And I mean this for everyone and everything. Now, this has been a best practice of ours for, for a very long time, but 
I get a lot of opportunities to, to work with partners and customers and dive deeper into their architectures and, and how they're actually operating on AWS. And I still see a, a lot of times where there's not a lot of attention put on least privilege. I'll give you a great example. I have a partner I was working with recently and they merely more treated least privilege as least amount of people who have full access to the environment. So they actually had a, a handful of operations people, about six, who were responsible for all the deployments to their production environment, uh, as well as all the operations with that environment. But those people had full access to the entire AWS account, all regions, all services. And there were no controls in place to actually determine, did somebody launch a service that we don't actually use? Did they launch something in a different region that we don't actually use? They were catching this stuff based on the billing report that they would review on a weekly or a monthly basis. And at that point, it's too late. Something's already happened, you're already accruing costs for it, uh, or there's potentially security risk that's already been out there for a while. And so I encourage you to actually truly pay attention and enforce that you are only giving people access based on what they truly need to do to be able to do their job. If you're not using an AWS service at all, don't grant access to it. If you're not using an AWS region, don't grant access to it. As you evolve your company and you move into using different services, you move into using different regions, you can expand that access over time, but truly take an, an approach of giving them only what they need to be able to do their jobs. And then building on that, actually take some time. Establish some processes that allow you to actually go through and audit those permissions. Every 90 days, 180 days, actually go back and audit what permissions does this person have and what things did they actually do. You can use CloudTrail to audit that. You can use the IAM Access Advisor. There's partner products out there that will help you with that. Go through and look at, and if you see that somebody isn't actually using some of the permissions you've given them, that's an opportunity to talk to them and say, do you actually need this? Did you know you even had this? If you don't need it, let's take it down, let's scope it down, and it's going to put you in a better position where you have people and things that are actually doing only the things that they're supposed to be doing, and it puts you in a, in a better position because there's less risk of somebody doing something outside the bounds of what their normal job responsibilities are uh, and, and having to operationally or, or go back and figure out why did this person actually do it and, and why did they have that access in the first place. Challenge the use of access keys, and I, I, I take this uh, in the sense of long-lived access keys. So to make any API call in AWS, you need uh, you know, an access key and a, and a secret key ID. There are more and more approaches and best practices that focus on using short-term credentials, assuming a role and getting short-term credentials to be able to do what you need to do to call APIs. There are a few reasons why you might have long-lived access keys but those reasons are, 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 are shrinking uh, on a daily basis. And so as you're going through and determining how you're going to build and run your workloads, if, if there's ever a discussion of needing long-lived access keys, I would challenge those and I would really put that to the test of why do we need this and can we not so solve this with short-term credentials? When you start looking at short-term credentials, the, uh, the, the risk of those being compromised uh, reduces greatly. There's less of a reason for somebody to take those credentials and post them out in the config file or in the code because you're already being vended short-term credentials on a regular basis. Um, there is, if those were ever compromised or used, there's a very short window on when those would actually be used because they do expire at the end of the day. So if you, at all costs, if you can, I would, I would look to challenge use of those long-term keys. Now, if you arrive at a decision that you do need these long-term keys, I would, Work to enforce that you have a strong rotation policy and that you're rotating those keys on a regular basis. Try to find a way to automate that as much as you can and also build some detections in. Understand what 
a steady state and what's, what's considered normal for those access keys is and build some detections in when the usage of those access keys goes outside what is considered normal because that may be an indicator that they're being used inappropriately or that somebody has them who shouldn't actually have them. And finally, on the identity side, I'd encourage you to think about uh, a multi-account strategy. So when you are granting someone or something access to your AWS resources, you're granting it at the AWS account level. If you have teams or workloads or data that needs to be isolated or, or would benefit from, from some more tight, tightly controlled access policies, using a different AWS account may be a good strategy for you because you can more confidently grant access to that account to the specific individuals or the specific services that need access to those workloads or that data. So think about how a multi-account strategy might fit into your overall identity strategy. Now there's no reason that says you have to go this alone. We talked about the AWS services, but to really accomplish what you want to do when it comes to identity, there may very well be a need for you to bring a partner in. And then these are four partners that are part of our security competency uh, in the identity space. Uh, they've proven uh, an ability to go in and, and, and add additional value to our customers on AWS. They've, they've been able to work to uh, improve and enhance their systems to work specifically with AWS, and they're a great starting point uh, if you're looking for a partner that's going to help you uh, achieve uh, your overall identity story when it comes to AWS. So on the security front, these are the, the main AWS services that are focused on uh, giving you or allowing you to implement uh, additional security controls on AWS uh, across detective, infrastructure protection, data protection, and incident response. Uh, in addition to, to what's on here, you also have the new uh, detective service that was announced on, on Wednesday in, in uh, public preview uh, that would also be uh, in this list as well. These are services that you can use to help you achieve your security goals but which services you use and how you use them will really depend on what you are trying to accomplish when it comes to security. So once again, one of the things that I really think is important is to understand like how does the AWS cloud even improve security? And, there, and there's probably a few different ways that you could look at that. But from my standpoint, I think one of the most important things that, that AWS helps with when it comes to improving security for customers is the APIs. Every AWS service is backed by an API and a set of actions that you can call around that service to be able to create that service, to be able to describe that service, to make updates to that service, or even delete resources within that service. And, and having those APIs becomes very powerful. It gives you a lot, of, a lot of capabilities when it comes to security. You can audit your configuration and take an inventory. You know, using these APIs, you can actually write scripts that will go out and query and come back with a list of every service and every, re and every uh, resource within those services that you're actually running and what their configuration is. So think about the ability to, at, the, at a moment's notice, to be able to run and get that inventory at any point in time and to be able to look at that inventory and say, what do I have, what's running, and how is it configured? You can use these APIs to track changes. You can actually query your inventory and say, okay, what do I have now? And a day later, Compare that, what do I have now? Compare that to what you had yesterday and see what's changed. Do I have new stuff? Do I have things that have actually changed? And is what changed actually good or bad? Does it line up with my security requirements? This is also where services like CloudTrail, which audits your API activity or config, which is gonna notify you every time that a resource changes and tell you what it looked like before and what it looks like now. Those may be good services that may help you with that aspect as well. 
APIs are awesome when it comes to making changes, whether you're changing one particular resource in a service or you're making a change across many resources. It allows you to very programmatically do it in a very consistent way in a repeatable fashion. You can reduce the risk of human error and, and ensure that it gets done quickly and in the way that you want it to. And that kind of leads to helping to enforce consistency. Using automation um, and these APIs helps to ensure that when you run and call these APIs that the things are going to be done the same way every time. It allows you to build workflows to actually work on your data and to be able to respond to events that are happening in your system. And the really cool thing is that you can do this across many environments, across many regions, and across many AWS accounts. So what, when we talk about security and running on AWS, what are some areas that I would like you to focus on uh, in this space? So to start with, I'd like you to find what do you consider to be a baseline for an AWS account? So think about your, your, you have an AWS account and you're going to hand it over to a development team who's going to build the next new service or, or application for your company. What would make you feel comfortable handing that account to that team and letting them go about doing their business? What configuration would you want to have in place? What AWS services would you want to have turned on? What permission boundaries would you like to have in place? What partner solutions would you like to actually have plugged into that account before you actually hand it to them? So it'll give you a sense of confidence and give you the right visibility that they're operating against your security requirements. So define what that baseline should look like. Implement that baseline build the necessary templates that you would need to, to, to uh, create those baselines, write the necessary scripts that would allow you to do those configurations. Look at services like Control Tower, the landing zone solution that allow you to plug those baselines in and then actually implement them and then enforce them. Uh, over time, you're going to come up with new baselines. You're going to come up with new requirements. Build those into your overall baseline process, apply those to new accounts that were created, but then go back in and re-baseline your, old, your existing accounts so that you are ensuring that you're operating at a consistent level and all your security requirements are in place for every one of your, your accounts. Look at implementing preventative and detective controls for what you're running in your account. So by preventative controls, uh, the first thing would be identity and access management. You know, building policies that are going to allow access to only the services that whoever is using that account should actually be able to use. But it also extends to what you might do with your operating systems, hardening your operating systems, uh, enabling particular services, or taking out components of that operating system that are unnecessary and pose a security risk to you. Things like defining security groups so that they are scoped specifically to who is allowed to access your, your compute resources, both for inbound and outbound traffic. And doing things like a WAF, adding a WAF in that is going to prevent any malicious traffic from actually getting to your applications in the first place. For detective controls, that's really focused on getting more visibility around what's happening in your environment. So that can start with a logging and monitoring strategy, turning on all the log uh, resources that exist within the AWS services you're using and, and consuming those logs so that you can go back and look at them operationally uh, or for security reasons, uh, but also ensuring that you are guiding your, your teams and as they deploy their own applications and services that they are, they are putting the right logging in place and that those logs are being delivered to the right location for further analysis. Uh, it might also involve just detecting changes in your environment. That kind of leads back to the discussion I had around CloudTrail or Config, where you're actually getting notifications when something new has been created or something has changed, and you're actually able to say, is this change okay? Is this new thing you've created okay? Does it line up with our, our security baselines? And then finally, detective controls even just revolves around testing your security, going through and periodically saying, 
are we operating at the uh, level that we expect to be and that was required of us as a company? Put a focus on incident detection and response. There's some AWS services that out there that will help you with some of this incident detection, such as a service like GuardDuty, but there's also plenty of partner solutions out there that you can run against your AWS environments that are gonna give you insight around potential security incidents related to your AWS environments. So getting all of that information and having it available to you is super important. It gives you some visibility about what's going on in your environment and the things you wanna pay attention to. But you need to then put a lot of emphasis on how you're gonna to respond to those particular security events. If you have an existing operational process already, find a way to take your security incidents and feed them into that operational process so that people are aware of it and that they have a responsibility for actually responding to those particular events. If you don't have a, a, a process today, start looking at the incidents that you have and start whiteboarding. How would we respond to these? What do we think is an appropriate thing to do? Walk through it, manually execute that response, document it, create a runbook, hand that to your operational teams and say, in the future, when you see this again, here's how you're gonna to respond to it. And by the way, the next time you see something new, these are the things you should look at, these are the people you should escalate to, and here's how you document what you did so that the next time we see this, we have the ability to respond to it again. I talked about testing your security a minute ago as far as the detective control. I think it's very important that you put a focus on how are you going to test your security. So a lot of companies test their security in their production environment. They run vulnerability scans, they run penetration tests about what they're running. Uh, in production, they might run those every 90 days. Some companies only run them once a year because that's what they're required to do when it comes to compliance. But I would encourage you to look at how you not only do that, but also move that testing further back into the non-production environments. Some companies actually start all the way at the engineers and they actually have little security checks built into their development environments that are, that are auditing their code for uh, security best practices. They're scanning the code once it's checked into a code repository. When they stand up a test environment, they're actually performing their security tests against that test environment to confirm that everything that is running in that test environment is living up to your security requirements. They're embedding themselves in the uh, CICD pipelines of their development teams to actually look at the configurations that they're trying to deploy to verify that they line up with their security requirements. Ask the tough questions of how are we testing this before it even gets to production. Help to reduce the risk of actually finding those security issues when it's actually sitting in production uh, and the risk of that security issue being exposed becomes greater. Look to automate. We are all struggling to find enough humans to be able to run our businesses and especially to participate in the security areas related to our businesses. Look to invest in automating repeatable processes when it comes to security. It could be automating how you respond to a particular security incident. It could be automating the checks that are gonna happen in your development pipelines to check for security issues. It could be automating the tests that I talked about just a moment ago. Look to automate those processes and don't just take a bad process that you have now and automate it because that's just gonna make that bad process happen faster. Use, the, use automation as an opportunity to actually take something and make it great. Put in the right checks, put in the right steps, put in the right notifications so that you get to a better state at the end of that automation. And don't think that just when you've automated one thing that you're done. Invest in a process where you're gonna continually look at what's the next thing we should be automating. What is somebody manually doing now that we have a very clear understanding of 
where automation would benefit from that. Invest in that automation and it's going to allow the humans that you have to be able to focus on the things that are most important to your company at that point in time. And look at establishing a data classification and protection policy. I have a lot of partners who don't actually have one of those in place. They're storing customer data, but they actually don't have any sort of policy that says this type of data stored in this type of quantity actually requires this type of protection. Go back and establish that policy and you know, broaden it to as much data uh, and types of data as possible. Even if you don't think you're storing that type of data now, you may end up with it in the future and, and establish those policies, socialize that with your architecture teams, with your engineering teams, so that they know when they are building something new what approaches they need to take. And then implement the ability to actually go out and discover where data is being stored in your environment, what types of storage services are being used and, and how is that data being treated. So you can actually understand, are things being stored and are they living up to our data classification policy or not? So once again, you do not have to go this alone. There are lots of partners out there that are in a great position to help you move fast and get started on meeting the security goals that you have on AWS and in lining up with some of these best practices and areas to focus on that I talked about. These are all technology partners that are in our security competency, which once again have shown that they have an ability to actually um, add additional value to customers who are running on AWS. Uh, and just because you're a partner doesn't mean you can't use other partners. I have examples of security partners I work with who are actually using three other security partners to actually help secure the backend infrastructure that they're running to, to offer a service up to customers. So uh, it's totally appropriate for, for partners to be using partners to help them with their security goals. So lastly, I'd like to just touch base on compliance. And so we have lots of customers who talk to us about security specifically because they care about ensuring that they are meeting or maintaining compliance. So we have an entire team in AWS that is focused on working with these compliance organizations to understand what their requirements are. Uh, we then go in and, and build the appropriate controls related to those requirements and we test those controls ourselves, but then we work with our third party auditors to go through and verify that we're, we're doing and, and operating these controls successfully. Those auditors then part, publish their third party attestations and we make those available to you, our partners and, and customers. And, and uh, so if you haven't looked yet, I'd highly encourage you, you can go directly go to the AWS management console. There's a service call, all called Artifact. You can just search on compliance reports in the console and we'll actually show you a list of all the compliance reports that you can actually download and look at yourself, see what our auditors have to say and see how we are accomplishing uh, the requirements that are put out there by these compliance organizations. And so that compliance that we achieve applies to the bottom half of the shared responsibility model. So we are going through and we are doing the work to make sure that we are kind of focusing on some of the undifferentiated heavy lifting around the infrastructure and the core software. So that means that you as a customer and a partner don't have to focus on that bottom part, but you own all of the compliance stuff that focus on, on that top part. We can't see the workloads that you're running. We've made a conscious decision to not be able to see that. So you have a lot of ownership around what you're doing when it comes to compliance for what you're running on AWS. And we certainly help here in certain ways. One of those is just with geography. So some companies have a requirement that depending on what part of the world you're running in, that that data needs to stay in that part of the world. I have certain partners who actually run multiple copies of their stack in different parts of the world because their customers require that their data stay 
in that part of the world. So if you have, uh, if you operate in certain parts of the world that require that your data stay in that part of the world, or if you're looking to go uh, into that part of the world, uh, AWS regions and, and where you choose to store your data uh, are, are an awesome help there. Because once you store your data in AWS region, it's gonna stay in that region unless you actually um, turn on configuration that says AWS, I'd like you to copy my data to a different region. So what are some areas to focus on when it comes to, to compliance? Well, one is determine which compliance regime actually applies to you. If you don't know that already, go through and figure that out. And it might be more than one, but have a good understanding of what you're even you're trying to accomplish and, and where you need to be focusing your attention. Understand where AWS services can help you when it comes to compliance, things like config and config rules, which can detect changes to your AWS environment and actually then run checks to determine if you're in or out of compliance based on the change that was made to that particular resource are, are, are super helpful. Things like server, you know, the ability to encrypt data at the server side for certain AWS storage services uh, are another great example of, of ways that you can use configurations and services to help you with what you're trying to achieve when it comes to compliance. And then implement the controls on your half. And this is really gonna depend on the compliance regime you're working with and what their requirements are, but implement all those other controls that are required that for what you're deploying and running on top of AWS. And then make sure that you're actually testing and monitoring on a regular basis. I would encourage you to actually be able to test and monitor on a more regular basis so that you're not finding out when it comes time to actually do your annual or, or quarterly compliance checks that you've been out of compliance for months. I would actually work to implement those controls to detect when you move out of compliance as soon as it happens so that you can quickly correct that. Once again, on the partner front, it's the same group of partners that I would recommend you start to. These partners not only help with security, but they help with the compliance requirements that many of our customers are looking to achieve. So uh, definitely recommend this group of partners to, to, as a starting point when you're looking to achieve uh, and, and uh, your, your compliance goals when you're running on AWS. So we've talked about identity, security and compliance, and then some key areas that I would like you to focus on and, and take away when you get back to the office on Monday, but that's certainly not the whole story here. There's, there's some other things that are really important that we want to talk about, uh, and I'd like to bring Rohit up there, up here now to actually talk more about how you can actually deploy this and some other ways that we can help you as partners. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Rohit. All right. Thank you. So, so let's start with um, how do you actually make this happen? Uh, there's a lot of technology that goes into putting it all together. Scott talked about some of the solutions that are available from AWS for both security and compliance, and then some of our partners that provide uh, solutions as well in addition to that, and are recommended by us as competency partners that he showed you as well. But clearly, you need people to get all of this working. It is very important that you have access to the right people, either internally or from us or from a third party, to actually make it all happen and work for you. So the first question really is, do you have all the right people? How many people in the audience feel like they have all the right cybersecurity people on staff, in-house, always available to what you need to do? I suspect the answer is no. I wish that was true. But clearly, uh, that is a problem, and we all recognize the fact that, that it is a gap, and we are working very hard to actually address some of those uh, shortages as well by working with some of the educational institutions to actually train people and with some partners as well. And then, of course, once you have the people, do they have the right skills? Uh, cloud is a new area still for a lot of people. They were trained on, they were on sort of legacy technologies or, or on-premises technologies, 
And so they need to be skilled up to work with uh, cloud technologies, and in particular, security in the cloud. Right? And then, you know, just keeping them uh, in-house is hard. Uh, this is an area where there's a lot of churn. We hear that from a lot of our customers and partners, that, that finding people and then keeping them is not an easy task. And so uh, we totally appreciate uh, the problems that you're dealing with, and we are trying to address as much of that as we can. And one way we're doing that is by working with some of our partners that are focused on the services, the people services side of the business. So if you take a look at some of the partners that have competency in the areas of security engineering, governance, risk, and compliance, uh, security operations, and automation, these are partners that have demonstrated to us and to other customers that they have all the right stuff, they have the right people, they have the right processes, and they have deployed solutions at scale for customers along the way. So we actually go through and verify that the examples and case studies and references they provide are real and that they have been actually deployed successfully and the customers are happy. So again, like with the technology partners on the consulting and services side, we would, we would have you start with some of these partners to make sure that you're getting the best at what they do. But as a partner, you might be thinking, okay, that's great, I can hire people, I can hire third parties to do it, but I really wanna do it myself. What does AWS do to help me get started on the journey, or at least accelerate the journey I'm already on? So we have a number of programs, and I'll talk about a couple of them because uh, we only have a limited amount of time, but there are a number of programs that are available. The first one is called SaaS Factory. Uh, this program is uh, really designed to help those partners that are building either net new SaaS applications running on AWS or are migrating something that was running somewhere else into AWS. And this is something that we have built over the years because we realized that a lot of our customers were actually ISVs building SaaS applications and running them on AWS. We actually have a very large number of those. Um, and so we, we took the best practices and, and guides and technical uh, know-how from that and I've turned it into a program to actually help you build your SaaS application or accelerate that migration to AWS in the most cost-effective manner. Uh, this program's been around for a couple of years and we've had a, a large number of partners go through it. And I'll, I'll uh, show an example of one of them um, in, in the next uh, section here. But what exactly is this program? Uh, this is really a set of both business and technical uh, help that we provide to you. It's not just the technology. We recognize the fact that in going to a SaaS application, uh, you also have to think about things like how do you price it? How do you deliver it? What kind of SLAs do you need to establish? It's not just about getting the technology working using all the AWS services and third-party products that are available to you, uh, as Scott described, but also really helping you run the business of, of running that application, right? And so we have access to experts who have been working with many ISVs over the years, uh, both before the program launched and during the launch and, and after of the program uh, that we can bring to bear and, and really help you get started. And it's available to all APN partners. So it doesn't have to be just the product companies. It can be consulting companies. We have examples of all sorts of partners uh, that are engaged in the SaaS factory program. So here's an example of one, F5 Networks. Uh, it's a partner of ours. Uh, you've probably heard them, used them before in the networking and security space. Uh, they wanted to move a, an application uh, that, that they run um, on-prem into AWS, and so we helped them architect that using our SaaS factory engagement. And so the idea was that this involved both product strategy, 
uh, getting them workshops on identity, as Scott mentioned, some of those uh, services that are available to you, and working with other partners who help move this process along faster, we were able to actually get the application from F5 networks deployed on AWS uh, in, a, in a very, very uh, cost-effective manner. And here's a, a quote from the CEO, Francois, uh, that we were able to actually accelerate the time to market using this program, SaaS Factory, by 50%. So that is really something that time to market means you're, you're, you're getting to revenue faster as well. So remember, it's not just about the technology, it's about the business process that we are able to drive together with you as well. Right? And you know, it it's, it's comes together with uh, a lot more people. You, know, you, you see the quote from the CEO, but clearly there are a lot of people involved from the different parts of the business that actually are, are working with our people to make it happen. So uh, I wanted to just make sure that we recognize that there is a, a chief architect of the cloud, there is a, a product management resource that gets involved, there are sales teams that get involved because of the pricing conversations and so on, that, that this is a, a, a multifaceted program, not just about one aspect, which is technology or only business. It is really a combination of all of those things. Right? Another program that, that is particularly relevant to partners that are looking to sell into the government space, as, as uh, you saw on the slide earlier, with the regions, we have uh, dedicated regions focused on uh, government and, and government customers and public sector uh, in general. And clearly, uh, you know, FedRAMP is one of those requirements that is very uh, key to, to selling to that audience. And so we found that working with a lot of our ISV partners, FedRAMP certification is something that they were all trying to achieve to, to make that happen. And this is a, a government-wide program, I, I'm sure you've heard of this, uh, that really shows to the, to, the, to the government that you have all the right compliance and security controls in place. And the idea is that this can be something that can be repeated, so it's not a one-off activity uh, that you've done for a particular customer, but really you have the best practices and, and, and compliance controls in place. And it is work. It is not something that is uh, you know, a very, very uh, quick program because it really is designed to help the government feel comfortable in doing business with you. And so uh, it is something that we built alongside our partners to help them with a variety of compliance things. The, the ATO uh, program is really designed for a multiple uh, compliance controls to be met, and you can pick what works for you. Uh, it really helps our customers, partners, and ISVs uh, accelerate their authorization process. So this is something that is, uh, we have been working with a number of partners over the years uh, to, to build, and we finally turned into a program uh, that we are now taking to market along with our partners. And so you'll find that you know, this is something that applies to a very large number of our partners. I'm sure that a number of you in the audience are either working on this or have gone through this. And you'll realize that the time it takes is a fairly significant amount. I mean, it can take multiple years, as you can see. Uh, in the case of FedRAMP, uh, that is an 18 to 24 month process. And so clearly, that means it is expensive, it is a time consuming, it's sometimes a difficult process as well that we believe is perfect for the cloud to step in and, and, and make better and faster. Uh, that really is something that we believe uh, is, a, is a significant advantage for cloud um, that, that we can actually bring to bear, and, and we did. So the way this program works is the combination of training tools, a lot of pre-built scripts and deployment capabilities 
that make the whole process extremely efficient. And we've done this with a large number of partners now, so it's not something that you're the first to, to go through. We really believe that this is going to help you get through the process faster. And the, the, the main benefits of this are, you know, it's faster, it's reduced effort, uh, it is including a whole lot of automation that can, you can actually use for other things. We have found partners that have benefited from this program but actually have applied it to uh, non-FedRAMP or non-ATO related projects as well because it really is good best practices. Um, and, and then you can go and, and work with some of the partners either providing products or our, our services partners that we showcased earlier to actually deliver this. So here's an example of another uh, successful engagement we did with two of our partners. One is a technology partner, Zscaler, and the other one uh, is a consulting partner, Stack Armor, to actually help a, a U.S. research university that wanted to get uh, FedRAMP certification at the moderate level uh, done quickly uh, so they can actually manage the grants uh, and research data that they actually have there. And so uh, this was something that we were able to deploy very quickly for the customer and working with two partners um, to actually get them up and running in less than 60 days with 17 different NIST control uh, families, right? So just imagine, I talked about months that it took in the normal course down to you know, uh, uh, 60 days that we were able to help uh, this customer get on board with. And this applies to partners in the room, it applies to customers. It really is a, a set of processes that we believe uh, can be uh, utilized by anyone to make this journey a lot faster. And we're doing this with a lot of our customers today. Uh, and I encourage you to, to look into that as well for your own purposes. So let's, let's look at you know, what are the things we talked about today that Scott talked about, that I talked about, and what's available to you. When you get back on Monday or, or whenever you're back in the office, uh, what are the things that you should focus on? We talked about identity and that all of the different services uh, that AWS provides are available. We talked about security, that again, we've added a number of services just this week into that program, into both identity and security. Uh, we talked about the compliance programs that are built into the AWS platform that you can just you know, use as a springboard, but also the, the fact that you can get to compliance using other programs uh, faster as well. And then the APN programs like SaaS Factory uh, that are available to you uh, that, that come with uh, not just the, the people, but the, the technology and even some incentives to help you move faster. And so uh, what you can do is reach out to your AWS partner network rep. Uh, everyone in the t uh, group here who is assigned, who's signed up as an APN partner has a rep associated with that. So I encourage you to look in the portal and to find that rep. Uh, you also have access to a partner solutions architect like Scott who works with our partners to make sure that they are able to, to uh, enjoy the benefits and, the, and understand the technologies available to them. And then also visit us in the expo hall. We have a very large contingent of security and compliance uh, people from AWS, but also a very large number of partners that are focused on security. Some of the names that you saw up there, uh, both from a product and from a consulting perspective. And you can ask them about some of the benefits that they bring and how they can help you move faster uh, in some of those compliance initiatives you may be driving. I would also uh, appreciate very much if you can fill out the survey in the mobile app but I also wanted to leave with you just a very quick checklist of all the things we talked about. So uh, again, in the presentation, you will find at the back of it, this slide and, and, and the one next to it. If you want to take a picture, this is sort of, we tried to put it all together into one slide, uh, actually two slides uh, that, that compile everything so you can just 
have at your disposal when you get back uh, until the slides are available, this one, and then the next one, uh, which talks about the people and the programs. So please go back and make sure that you actually uh, you know, look at all the things that we talked about in the checklist, but also please give us feedback so we can improve this process for everyone else uh, who is going to enjoy these programs and, and uh, potentially this conversation later on as well. Thank you very much.